Wait, wet avalanches can cause a lot of damage to infrastructure, such as chairlifts and power lines. Dry avalanches, in contrast, can race along at 130 kilometers an hour or more. They're usually caused when winds pile up more and more fresh snow than a passing skier accidentally triggers the slope to release. The avalanche barrels downhill at high speeds with powdery snow billowing out and obscuring the deadly rush. Because of their fast pace, dry avalanches kill far more people than wet ones do. To tease out the science between the two, and to understand avalanches more generally, many of the world's leading avalanche researchers flock to the scenic Swiss valley of Sion. There, the SLF Institute oversees an experimental avalanche site, a sophisticated laboratory for understanding snow dynamics. Scientists can scrutinize every detail of natural and artificially triggered avalanches. The first research instruments arrived in the valley in 1996, although catastrophic snow wiped many of them out three winters later, forcing SLF scientists to rebuild. Today, a 20-meter-high steel pylon rises from the steep hillside, built to withstand avalanches that hurtle at it. It holds instruments that measure air pressure, impact pressure, flow speed, density, temperature, and other factors. Each winter, researchers watch and wait. Every couple of years they get lucky. When at least 80 centimeters of snow falls in less than three days and the white stuff builds up in drifts and the skies are clear, Betty Sovia starts making phone calls. Sovia, an engineer and avalanche researcher at SLF, is the scientific coordinator for the Sion site. She mobilizes a team of researchers who travel to the valley and prep the instruments, video and other systems before technicians set off an avalanche to study. At Sion, SLF scientists have discovered several fundamental but previously unknown differences between wet and dry avalanches. Small nuances in temperature can have a big impact. For example, avalanches that flow warm and wet smash with an impact pressure that increases with depth, hitting the hardest at the avalanche base. In contrast, avalanches that start at colder temperatures move in a giant shearing sideways collapse, with the densest and fastest moving parts of the powder smashing the hardest. Whether a person survives a dry powder avalanche could thus depend on whether he or she gets hit with a fast-moving or slow-moving part of the slide. A shift in temperature is also crucial for the clumpiness of snow. Sovia and her colleagues recently put fresh snow into a rotating tumbler, the sort used to mix concrete. When the snow was relatively cold, between about minus 5 and minus 10 degrees Celsius, it stayed powdery and fine. But just a little bit warmer, about minus 2 degrees, the snow began to clump together in larger granules. This is a fundamental change in the structure of the snow, and it changes completely the movement, Sovia says. Other properties of the snow, however, such as its density and hardness, did not change nearly as dramatically at minus 2. 
The experiment may sound like a high-tech version of kids making snowballs, but it is the first time researchers have explored the physical differences underlying the transition between wet and dry snow avalanches. The team reported in June in the Journal of Geophysical Research, Earth Surface. To peer even more closely into avalanches, the SLF team used a high-resolution radar probe that penetrates the obscuring clouds of a powder avalanche at Sion. Like a police officer's radar gun, the instrument can map the speed of structures such as the densest concentrations of snow. If you don't understand the small-scale turbulence, you can't reproduce physically the whole movement of the flow, Sovia says. Making practical use of such real-world data is the job of computer modelers. At SLF, Bartelt and his colleagues developed software that can be used anywhere in the world to reduce avalanche dangers.